Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. You have found your way to the 260th episode of the podcast. What's the gemstone for 260? I'm not sure. Well, this is the podcast, every 10, where I go into feedback mode, listening to what you have to say after listening to what I have to say, and then I comment on it. So it has to do with people who have listened to the podcast. It has to do with people who have read the articles on Casting Across, and I kind of cull uh, out the herd, and then I pick the cream of the crop, and then I respond to it. And if you ever have any questions, if you have any comments, if you ever have any accusations, you can always let me know, Matthew at castingacross.com. I read all my emails, and I respond to all my emails. I've endeavored to do that. But I have a confession at the top of this podcast, right to start off the bat. I have an admission to make. I did something that I don't know if I've ever done before, and it was accidentally deleting an email from a listener to the podcast. And I didn't get a chance to respond. I remember the person's name. It was I, it was a woman's name, or at least it was a name that could be a woman's name. Um, and I did something on my iPhone while I was uh, waiting for a meeting to start, and uh it was gone, and I can't find it on my computer. I can't find it on my phone. Uh, and so whoever you are, angler, uh, who remains a mystery, I'm sorry. But this is how I'm going to fix this. I mean, I got this email probably like two hours ago, right before I recorded the podcast. So this is the most fresh that uh, feedback can be. But essentially, uh, the email was something to the effect of, thank you for the articles on gear maintenance, on how to store things, on how to clean things, and how to take care of things. 
Um, and uh, they, their their whole kind of angle was, you know, we throw th- too many things away. So anything we can conserve is good. So I would see that as a great logical extension and consistency of the environmental ethos that ought to be in fly fishing. I mean, you don't do catch and release only to uh, just pile up your trash can with styrofoam cups, right? So anyway, they, they asked a question about... Um, how to take care of rod ferals and and comment on that. That's basically what the question was. So I've I've mentioned this a few times before, but I think it bears repeating because now is a great time to take care of them. So this is being recorded in November. A lot of folks do stop fishing, at least stop fishing as heavily in the late fall and winter months. And so as you go to put your gear away, there's a few things that you can do now and then things that you can certainly do throughout the course of the season to keep your ferals clean and healthy. Now, what is a rod? What is what is a feral tip or or the feral end? Um, so this is the male and female end of a multi-piece fly rod. So for your graphite rods, it is going to simply be a hole, and then at the at the tip of a segment, and then a um, round uh, a cylindrical portion that goes over it. If you have an older um, fiberglass rod or a bamboo rod, is going to be uh, nickel, silver, or something like that. And uh, they, they fit together very tightly in those situations because you want zero flex. And then, of course, they're slightly tapered with the graphite. And there's a few different designs out there. Some of them uh, overlap, some of them abut, uh, and uh, they all have their perceived pros and cons. But it's important to take care of these things, first and foremost, because this is going to be one of the primary areas where you're going to have a failure on your fly rod. Uh, the tip top is the most fragile part of it. So the very tip of, of the fly rod just because of the diameter being so narrow. The second most fragile part of a fly rod is that female feral end because again, the wall, that fiberglass or graphite wall is going to be very, very thin. And so you d- don't want that to be crushed. You don't want it to be smashed, but you also don't want those pieces not fitting well together. And consequently, the way that that male end is torquing inside of that female end, it would cause it to crack. I actually had that happen fishing for smallmouth once where um, I had cast my rod tip off because I didn't set them in properly. And then I reaffixed them quickly while I was fishing to, you know, some rising smallmouth. And I heard this loud crack and I had this little hairline fracture that went up the female side of the ferrule on the, the backside of the, fly, of the spine of the fly rod. Um, and that came from too much torque on an improperly set uh, ferrule end. So it, it really matters that you're using these right. But part of using them right is keeping them clean because if you get junk in there, that will keep those things from setting well and you could have a problem like I had now, or you can uh, loosen it up so that problem is exacerbated and you're more likely for that to happen, or you simply cast off that tip more, uh, or you can actually have situations where it will get stuck. This has happened to me. I don't think I've ever had this happen on a graphite fly rod or a fiberglass fly rod, but with bamboo fly rods, this has happened where there's been a little bit of moisture, a little bit of gunk, and those those segments get stuck together. There's all manner of ways to get them apart, and that I can save for maybe another um, podcast episode, and it, it, it's worth talking through that. Even if there's a thousand articles uh, on the internet, there's always little caveats and little tricks that can be employed to get stuck rods apart, whether they be graphite, fiberglass, or bamboo using the uh, metal uh, uh, ferrule lens. 
But talking about cleaning them as this uh, writer, this anonymous listener or reader uh, sent in, how to clean them. I think the best thing to do is to use a warm, slightly soapy rag and go over it with that and go over it again with that and then go over it with with warm, uh, just plain water and then go over it with a lint-free, clean rag. So that's my normal procedure. No matter what kind of rod I'm using, I will go over the male end with warm soapy water on a clean rag, and I will dip that and go back after it again. Then I will go with another clean rag using um, warm, uh, just plain water, uh, and get all that soap residue off there. And then once that's done, once that's been adequately rinsed, then I will go after it with a clean, dry microfiber cloth to dry it off and make sure there's no dust and certainly uh, no residue on that male end. Female ends a little bit trickier. Um, and this one is, this is why I say it's good to do it this time of year where you can maybe set it out, maybe by, it's, if it's dry, you know, in the, in the wintertime or by a dehumidifier, but um, a, a little bit of um, soapy water on a Q-tip is not ideal if you are able to have like in a gun cleaning kit where you have some sort of like fleece, um, uh, you know, bore cleaner or something like that. So nothing abrasive, uh, nothing with any sort of grit on it, but go into that female end of that ferrule um, with warm soapy water water and then with plain warm water and then once again with something dry. This isn't as important because it's not going to cling to as much junk because it's less exposed, but this is definitely worth doing as well. And doing this on a consistent basis will ensure that both the parts of these are going to stay clean. Now, if you have your metal ferrule end, so again, what you probably see when you have a bamboo rod, whether it's an antique or a new one, um, this is where you want to, to do this. And if it requires a little bit of solvent, I think a little bit of rubbing alcohol, but you want to make sure that you keep it off of the finish of the rod, the epoxy of the rod, the varnish of the rod, the wraps of the rod. You keep it to the metal only, and you use it very, very sparingly. And you use, again, something that's non-abrasive. You don't want to scratch that metal because any sort of etching on that is going to lead to it sticking or it being loose because they are precision designed and machined so that they fit together in a precise way. Um, But again, making sure you get all the residue off. I am not a believer in applying anything to my ferrules, um, whether that be the grease from the side of your nose, like your grandpa might have told you, whether it be uh, some sort of wax or whether it be some product that a fly rod company sells. I don't think it's necessary as long as you keep your equipment clean. Now, if your equipment becomes damaged and that's the only way you can get to stick, then I suppose you have to use that, but hopefully a little bit of preventative maintenance will keep that from being something that you need to do. So hopefully that's helpful. And again, I do sincerely apologize to whoever it was that emailed me today and whose email I deleted. Hopefully I retained the knowledge of the question that you asked uh, sufficiently to answer it over these last nine minutes. And hey, you know, I usually don't go this long on one particular question. So uh, maybe that's my extra bonus after uh, deleting your email. So that is a few words on rod ferrules, the ends and the tips. So uh, a few things about the next two pieces of feedback. Uh, They're they're actually clumps. So every once in a while, I write an article and I get a lot of similar feedback or a lot of feedback that falls into the similar uh, answer to a question that I may have posed in a podcast or in an article. And that was certainly the case when I came out with the Casting Across Fly Shop box. 
and I had an entire podcast about this. I had a couple articles about this, but my intention with this is to create a one-stop shop for all the fly shops that are out there, uh, simply so there can be a place where any fly shop that is is out there, good, bad, otherwise, that is a legitimate fly shop is cataloged so that um, even if they don't have a great web presence, even if uh, they there are 10 shops in town and they're the 11th, so they're not going to show up on the first page of Google, that people are able to go in and find them. So uh, I have a couple other things I'm planning on doing with this page, and hopefully it can be a benefit to the fly fishing community and the fly shop community. But one of the things that I did was I wanted to crowdsource information. So I was able to glean probably about 325 fly shop names on my own. But I knew uh, as I put them in there, like I went back just kind of give it the eyeball test. Like there's shops that I knew in my from my memory that weren't in there. Fly shops I had visited that weren't in there. So I knew that there's other shops that I wasn't including, not on purpose, simply because this is an issue. I mean, it's it's if a fly shop doesn't have a great website, if they're not using search engine optimization, which hey, no problem with that. I'm not doing that for casting across. So it is what it is. But I know that the best people to ask was you. So I asked the readers of the website, I asked the listeners of the podcast, what is your favorite fly shop? Make sure that it is on the fly shop directory, the fly shop box at casting across. And if it isn't, let me know. And I heard back from so many people. Um, so there is probably about 375 or so fly shops on the directory now. And those extra 35, 40, 50, whatever are from you all. And so I have just a list of emails, but I wanted to share something funny. Uh, this was a, an interesting interaction. So I received a website inquiry. So you can always say Matthew at castingacross.com or you can contact me through the comment page, the contact page on the on the website, which some people like doing because it's just a little bit more streamlined and it's guaranteed to not go through like junk or spam if you do that, right? So I was given the name of a fly shop. I'll just say it's in the West Coast. And their comment was, wow, this is a well-established fly shop. I can't believe you missed it. Okay. So I'm I trying to be critical of people who take the time to let me know things and, and respond to the the uh, the website or the, the podcast, but, uh, wow, this is a well-established fly shop. I can't believe you missed it. I can't believe I missed it either, I guess. Um, but the best part of it was that, uh, I then responded and I apologize. Like I, I, I said, thanks for reaching out for helping me fix this. The site has been updated. And then I actually commented them on the quality of their website. And <laughs> the response I got was, I have no idea what you're talking about. So, I have no clue what happened there. I mean, the fly shop, if, if it's a testament to the unbiased nature of the fly shop box, the fly shop's still on the website. I have no ill will towards the gentleman who suggested it. And whether it's the same one who I responded to with the same email, who is um, very blunt and saying they don't know what I, I was talking about by saying that I like their website and I put their fly shop on, the, on my site. It was just a funny interaction. I'll just put it that way. I got a couple of those, a couple of like, you know, how how could you be so dense to not see this website, or this fly shop? It's it's the absolutely best fly shop. And then a couple of times I found those shops, but I, I did what I did in my process, which is I Googled fly shop and I Googled that town or I Googled the major met metropolitan area is next to. And that fly shop didn't pop up, which proves kind of why this needs to be a thing. Um, the The... There's just so much information out there and who knows the mind of Google and who knows what these websites have and haven't done to get themselves so that they don't pop up. But uh, I, I just had a lot of interesting information uh, shared with me as I uh, put the call out for those fly shops. So I would say same thing. Let me know. Um, I'm even, even just scrolling now. I'm just seeing recommendation after recommendation after recommendation. 
Um, and then of course there's some that I had to say, you know what, it looks like a great shop, but it certainly isn't a fly shop. It's a great outdoor store. I would love to have it near me. Um, because they, they have all sorts of stuff, kayaking stuff and hunting stuff and hiking stuff and fly fishing stuff. But that's going to be in that kind of that second, I want to say second tier, but that second category that I'm working on. So if you have a shop like that, I mean, I would even say like, if you have a neighborhood, um, you know, big outdoor store or a big, um, sporting goods store and the guy that works at the fly fishing counter, or even the guy who works just the fishing counter, all they might have is a couple of, um, packs of poppers, uh, behind the, uh, the, the glass there. But uh, if that person knows fly fishing, um, then that in my mind is worth including because I want that to be a resource. So do let me know if you have something like that uh, in your mind to share with me so I can share with everyone. All right. So the second was fly shops. The first was feral ends. And the third is people who reached out to say thank you and congratulations on eight years of casting across. So I got messages in my email from fly fishing figures. I got comments on social media from family members and from just people that listen and read. And it is just encouraging and exciting. And, um, I'm, I'm happy that I've been doing this for eight years. So, um, so if someone says congrats and keep up the good work, then here's my response. Uh, thank you. And I plan on it. Um, I've spent a lot of time in these last 10 weeks, in these last 10 podcasts, um, kind of reflecting on the nature of casting across why I do it, how I do it. Uh, the 250th episode, 10 episodes ago, I brought my boys on the next episode. I did a, another like introduction to who I am and why casting across. And so I don't want to rehash all of that, but, um, Needless to say, life's pretty, pretty busy right now. Um, kind of involved very, very heavily in two organizations, two churches, uh, as I'm making a transition to the church plant, which I've mentioned on this podcast. We're in the process of moving. It's not going to be an enormous move. It's uh, only about 15, 20 miles as the crow flies, but it is across state lines. Um, but there is an there's an awesome, awesome uh, blessing in being in the place we're about to be in. I, I'm very thankful for my house now. I'm very thankful to be in the neighborhood I'm in now. But to be able to move to the woods, to be able to move to where I can walk to a trout stream, um, and to be able to hunt in my backyard, I mean, these are things that we've been, as a family, praying for for a long time. So we're very excited about that. But all that to say, it's just a lot going on right now. Casting and cross is a priority. But obviously, it's not the most important priority, but I'm happy to keep producing content. And whether it be a few minutes talking about how to clean parts of your fly rod, or whether it be an article that is reviewing a new product, or whether it be a story about the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish, I'm excited to continue to do that as long as I am able. Um, this has been something that's been part of my life for eight years, which is, you know, for me, it's interesting because, you know, two of my kids are, are seven and four. So casting across has been part of my life for longer than two of my children have been alive. Um, I've moved from New Hampshire to Virginia to Massachusetts back to, well, I'm starting later this month in, in New Hampshire again, as I've been doing this. Um, I have met so many great people because of casting across and because of what I've been doing casting across both in the fly fishing industry and other, uh, anglers. 
Um, I've really appreciated what this has done, not only for my my writing ability, but also as I've thought about how to articulate things and, and communicate them. Uh, casting Across has helped how I preach, and preaching has helped how I do Casting Across. And so it is just a, a mutually beneficial thing that really rounds out uh, my life, in, in my in my humble opinion. So um, for all those who sent in their well wishes uh, after eight years of Casting Across um, and said thank you, all I can say in in return is thank you. Uh, speaking into the ether would certainly be something I could do, but to see those numbers go up uh, as more and more people listen is also kind of encouraging. So I guess I'll, I'll close with that. Um, if you like the podcast, if you are one of those who downloads every week and, and listens to every week, share it with somebody. Uh, share it with somebody who is a fly fisher. Share it with somebody who might be interested in fly fishing. Um, if you have any questions, reach out to me, Matthew at castingacross.com. Uh, any comments, any feedback at all, I'd be happy to interact with them. And I promise, well, I don't promise, I will do my darndest to not delete your feedback like I did to the poor person who emailed me a couple hours before I went on the air with this podcast. But thank you for being a part of it. Thank you for listening and for reading uh, and uh, for these eight years. And I'm looking forward to what's coming, not necessarily in the next eight years, but you know what's coming in the next months, because uh, I'm just excited about doing that and some of the things that I've got ideas about. But uh, pass it on, share it with somebody, and uh, we, will, we will go from there together. This week on castingacross.com, two articles. Well, there's always two articles before the podcast, aren't there? Um, but the first one uh, actually goes back and uh, says kind of what I just said. It was called Eight Years, 1,250 People, Places, and Things. And so I don't talk about the past in this one. I talk about what my plans are, three particular types of content that I plan on putting out more of as the uh, year rolls on, as year nine rolls on. Um, does that mean it's going to necessarily happen? No. Things could change significantly um, tomorrow, and that's certainly the case. But uh, these are some of the things I'd like to add a more of a focus to, to on Casting Across. So check out what those are and uh, let me know what you think. And then Wednesday's article is called Eight Years, A Quick Look Back. Now, this is fun. I've done this. I, I do this frequently where I pull out things from uh, the past and I share them like, um, you know, the uh, three three articles about uh, fishing in the winter, three articles about fishing with friends, three articles about getting your kids fishing, things like that. But this article, um, this eight years, a quick look back, looked at the most read article of 20 of, of year eight, the most read review of year eight, the most read story of year eight, and the most downloaded podcast of year eight. So you can check those out. Um, uh, and let me know what you think. I mean, you already like them, or people like you already like them, so there's something to be said for that. This week's recommendation on the podcast, I'm going with a standard, tried-and-true piece of gear that is, as I've said before, on one of my most popular YouTube videos. I do have a YouTube channel. Um, the most controversial piece of gear in fly fishing, and that is the nipper. So I have no problem if you want to use a pair of nail clippers to clip your fly line or your, your leader and your tippet, by all means. It is a free country, and as far as I know, the game warden will not cite you for using the same thing you use on your toenails to snip off the tag end of the knot you tie your uh, royal wolf on. But personally, I like something that has a little bit more going for it. So something that strikes that balance between the really low-end pair of nippers and the really high-end pair of nippers is the Loon Outdoors Nip and Sip XL, the Nip and Sip XL. So it is the nip because it 
is a fully functioning nipper, both with a set of nippers on it and with the um, little uh, uh, hook eye cleaner. Um, but it also, and this is this is important, um, it also has a bottle opener. That's where the sip comes from, right? But why I like this is two reasons, and it, it retails for thirty nine bucks, right? So this is where I say it's, it's right in the middle. I like this because it is big. I mean, it's a it's a bulky nipper. Now. That's uh, necessary to give it the kind of mass you need to torque the bottle uh, top off of a, of a bottle, um, bottle top, bottle cap. That's what it is. Anyway, um, but this is also awesome if you have mobility issues or if if you are using gloves. So this is my nipper of choice in the winter time because if I have gloves on, I'm not fiddling, and you can really torque down on it. So this is also a great um, set of nippers if you are using heavier fluorocarbon or even using like stiff mono if you're making certain uh, leader rigs. Um, but sharp blades and uh, works really, really well. It comes with a neck lanyard too. So if you are the kind of person who likes to wear their nippers around and show off your nippers, this is uh, a great choice for you. But I like it. It's in my rotation of um, of nippers that I, I use. And uh, I, I think it's a really cool product with um, just like a lot of stuff that, that Loon makes. I'm a big fan of, of Loon products. You can check out a link for this actually over at the this page's show notes over at castingacross.com. Thanks for listening to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe to your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast on iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com for three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. Mm-hmm.